Hi, this is Phil, Lee's husband, or as some of you may know me, Brendan, or the Jackson father. Yes, it's Phil. Um, listen, I just wanted to touch base to warn you that our lovable bunglers have reached new depths of bungling this week on Chat 10 Looks 3. They didn't plug the website or the podcast, and it'll be obvious to you immediately that, yet again, they've left the microphones at home. So it's honestly the worst audio quality ever, and that's really saying something. As you can see, I've got a huge task here to try and keep up with these guys, but please... If you want to do something for me, I'd love you to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, and if you want to learn anything more about what you're about to hear them talk about, from Salesy's interview with Hugh Laurie to an article that Crab mentions about John McCain's life expectancy, you can find everything you need on the website, chat10looks3.com. So that's chat, the number 10, looks, the number 3.com. Hey, listen, they don't even listen to this podcast, so let's not mention this special guest appearance just between us. Uh, and now that I know how to edit myself in, maybe I'll come back. Bye. I'm recording your conversation now, so don't say anything that you don't want for a test. No, but every time I walk into a room and you're there, yeah. you're there with microphones. Now, like, we're just putting our makeup on together, and it's like, it's an opportunity! It's because we're so time poor. It's like, hey, we're in the same room alone, and it's reasonably quiet. Let's start recording. So we better yeah, tell but everyone. To be fair, that. like, we're in a kitchen. <laughs> Applying makeup. I mean, there is a limit to how much interesting material can be extracted from this arrangement, right? You see, you're falling into the trap of now thinking that everything about your life is interesting. Now, it's, it's, it's being on that Julia Zemiro show, isn't it? She's like, Salzy, you're so interesting. Everything about you is interesting. Your childhood, your inner thoughts. What do you think of Nancy Drew? Tell see, me more. See, that's on um, that's on tonight. I know. About that. Hey, we better firstly paint a picture of why we're doing this. So we're in my hotel room in Canberra because we're about, about to go to the midwinter ball mm-hmm. and I've just been Googling stroke cream and how to use it and what even it is. Neither of us know what it is, but it, well, you just put some on your mush, Well, so. they said stick it on your cheeks, right? slide a bit down the top of your nose. Am I supposed to put some on the back of my hand and yep. then take a tongue? Is that too much? No. Probably. And then a little bit on your index finger. Right. In the apples of your cheeks. Right. Down your nose. <laughs> and then a dot in your cupid's bow or as you referred to it a moment ago, your moustache. <laughs> um, right. I yeah. still look old and crazy. <laughs> it's not working. If anything, even crazier. What about the forehead? Is that allowed or no? Well, I don't know because... Blending lightly with There were two finger. instructions on the strobe cream website. One said for subtle dewy effect and one said for intense dewy effect. Isn't that like sort of contradictory? Like how can you have intense... Dewiness. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. like, you know, rattled innocence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like knowing innocence or something. <laughs> um, For maniac virginity. So basically, yeah, I'm just being opportunist, opportunistic and rolling across our conversation. And you're dead right now that apparently we think that, oh, I started recording, so I guess it's me. You're right. That yeah, it's totally you. Every... I just walked in here with a bag of shoes and some makeup that's been around the block a few times. Next well, thing you know. <laughs> well, the thing is, you made, me, you made me start laughing and so that's how I feel like this could be a podcast, basically. Isn't it? Do you reckon that, you know, Tony Jones and Kerry O'Brien are in a hotel room together somewhere? Almost certainly. <laughs> but imagine doing Kerry O'Brien's makeup. Like, he's the only man in Australia with an advancing hairline. Like, no, Stephen Smith has one as well from the foreign Oh, yeah. yeah. He'd be he'd be like Cousin Ed by now. And... I haven't seen him for a while. I think it's a good decision to roll on this. Um, I used to call him the Russian Blue because he reminded me of one of those cats. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. They're very handsome, those cats. They sure much, are. Much like Stephen Smith. He is a handsome man. Yeah, I reckon somewhere in Canberra right now, Chris Yulman <laughs> is giving Tony Jones a pedicure. 
No, I actually know where Chris Yorman is. Oh, where is he? He's still at work eating trail mix. Oh, of course he is. <laughs> if you're blessed with the ability to just, you know, look great in 20 seconds or not have to put on what is it? Strobe cream? <laughs> yes. My, I, I remain to be convinced. Look, I've often thought, looking at Yorman, he could benefit from a bit of strobing. <laughs> I hope this is not going to interfere with my epilepsy. Do you need to be near the PowerPoint because of your hair? <laughs> yes, I, I will electrocute myself from despair shortly. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> Aren't you glad that you accepted my invitation to come I up am. And do I am. Again? Thanks for having me on air, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I am. I do have to do some interfering with my hair because, um, look, the other thing is, um, so I'm staying in the place across the road, so and it's raining, so um, yeah. you are going to have to tower above me like an umbrella because my hair will instantly refreeze as soon as I oh, get away in the environment. Oh, very, very annoying. Do you that stroke cream? It's really working for you, Sam. I know. It's, I look 20 years younger already and slightly less crazy, don't I? Um, so hey, did you watch The Killing Season last night? I didn't, did actually. It's on my... Um, you know, IQ thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, we're going to make it to the kitchen because there's a big mirror, which is really weird. That's the sound that you There's nothing kitcheny in here at Hang all. On, I'll I'll go also, no towels, notably. Thank you. Um, no, I did Thank not. You. Was it good? It was quite electrifying, actually. Right. Oh, look, I've put. Disgusting. I've put a foundation <laughs> all over your. I'll just. Yeah, I'll swap this one of mine. It's fine. You don't need to. Uh, just for clarification, I've put foundation all over her uh, washcloth. <laughs> Repeat, washcloth. <laughs> um, Some of these want... comments admit several interpretations, don't you find? <laughs> do you want the hair thing first or are you going to do makeup? Um, I'm going to do hair because okay, so that's going to take me some time. Alrighty, let's... What are you oh, you've got, no, you've got a point yeah. there. You're right. Yeah, good. I'm all right. all good. Very good. Hey, did you watch the end up watching the end of the Mad Men season? You know how yes, we did? I did. Oh, what did you think of the final episode? Oh, remind me what happened. There was a month. Don went to that hippie retreat. Uh, oh, so spoiler alert! If you've oh, not yeah. seen the end of Mad Men, turn oh, hold on. Up. No, I haven't. God no! Oh. Stop! Back up the oh. truck! Back up the truck! No, I didn't. Jeez. <laughs> so I'm getting mixed up with my. Uh, with my box sets. Oh, okay, all right. So forget that we talked about that. Yeah, forget that we talked at all. Do you know what you have totally got to watch and I haven't talked about on the podcast before? Mm -hmm. The Americans. Oh, okay. So last night when I was um, just finishing writing something at about 9pm and my partner said, um, all right, we've got to watch this thing, The Americans. And I, in that disappointing way that I sometimes have, said, Oh my god, I'm much too tired. I'm going up early in the morning. <sighs> no. And then. Um, Did he watch it anyway? I don't know. Oh, okay. But he seemed he seemed very keen that this would be the next big thing for us to see. It is my favourite thing that I have watched in years, and wow. possibly one of my most favourite things ever. The premise of it is a couple. It's set in the 1980s in Washington DC, and <sighs> the, good years, the 80s. They were, and it's the girl from Felicity. Oh, um, right. Okay. Kerry Russell. Yep. Also, just slight diversion. Uh, let her hair be a cautionary tale to you to never cut your hair short. Because yeah. do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Global I scandal. Cut, I cut mine pretty short when I was about 19. Was it flattering? It looked all right when it was really short. It was the growing out that really was the tricky part. Right. I just looked... It was very Motown. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always... Brendan would be happy, back to that yeah, Jackson Brendan, 5 yeah. thing. Um, so it's set in the 80s. They are a couple who appear like the all-American family, 
two kids, but they are actually Russian spies. Oh, God, you were about to say spies. I love a spy drama. Um, and they have been trained within an inch of their life to pass as Americans, basically, but right. they are operating as high-level assassins And they don't speak Russian at home, I assume. No, they are not allowed. They have never... They are an arranged marriage, and they've never been allowed to speak to each other of their life in Russia or ever speak to each other in Russian. Did they meet each other before they left Russia? Yes, and then they were plonked into America as a married couple, basically, and told to have a family for cover and... You know, oh, my God, so they're actually breeding as well. Yes, um, and it's based on, like, actual true, you know... Um, events that did happen in the United States. If you're ever in Washington, have you been to the Spy Museum? Uh, no, I have not oh, been to the Spy Museum. I highly recommend it. It's I'm really I'm just really annoyed that I haven't, now that you say it. It's really interesting, and like a lot of those things, Americans do museums so well. The other one I'd really recommend is the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. Ooh, if you yeah, ever get down there. Oh, so well done. And because it's such re recent history, they've kept a lot of stuff. Anyway, the Americans is like watching a little thriller every week I just it's the only thing I record it from Foxtel and it's on a Wednesday night it's the only thing that I actually know what time it's on because yeah. I get home from work on Wednesday night and I'm like is it time is it time is it time I'm just dying to watch it <clears throat> yeah I know what you know when in the week Veep is on for the same reason yeah, yeah. um are you up to date with Veep yeah I, I'm bleedingly up to date how good is it yeah it just is superb it really did um uh, really uh, benefit too from the introduction of Hugh Laurie. I mean, it was oh. just that moment where you just think, well, I didn't think this could get better. It just did. I, and how, I mean, Hugh Laurie is one of the most extraordinarily accomplished and I diverse, know. like, total wrong. I've always had really quite a distinct crush on Hugh Laurie. Yeah, same. Even though I suspect he might be difficult. Oh, really? Oh, maybe it's just... I interviewed him once. Oh, did you? Yeah, on the satellite, though, from London. And I opened by saying something like... Um, so Hugh Laurie, you can play jazz piano, you've had a highly successful comic career, you can do this, you can do that, you've now starred in a, a major American drama, it's been a huge hit and you've won an Emmy and you've won a Tony and you've won blah 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 blah, um, you know, please tell me that you can't cook so I can feel better about myself, and he replied, no, I cook like an angel. <laughs> <laughs> in exactly that voice. Yeah. Um, but he, how convincing is he as a congressman? Oh, super. And also, he's completely different from any other role you've seen him play before as well, which I really like that. I mean, you know how yeah. you get actors that are kind of essentially the same person? Mm. Well, he's sort of charming but evil. Absolutely. He's nailed it. And if you didn't know that he was British... You would never in a million years think that he was. Sort of like Dominic West in The Wire. Yeah. You just... Isn't it a great surprise when you find out those actors are British and you just... Yeah. Or Stringer Bell, Idris Elba. Or oh, Stringer Bell. I love him so much. Yeah. Um, yes. So. <laughs> oh, my God. This is awkward. Silence. Oh, I'm just trying to figure out this. Look, I'm trying to, you know, defrizz my hair with this sort of curling thing I'm you're doing a good job there That's well I've done it before um but I think my um my device is just cut or something oh no um do you need can I do anything I don't know how to use that curly yes image. I would love you to take control of hair management <laughs> no I've just turned it off this oh okay done. I don't know how to do curly hair stuff oh love <laughs> you know I should have curled your hair oh that would have been wonderful uh, instead I've got this big buffy I don't know what it is so I've just been wandering around in Parliament um, mm -hmm. and come back here to get changed. But, you know, 
the night of the uh, press gallery ball. It's sort of turned into quite an event over the years. I remember when we had the first one that was kind of cheap and cheerful, and now it's this sort of incredible um, phenomenon. What we have a weird thing about Canberra is that there always seems to be like quite often on the night of the midwinter ball because it's sort of getting towards the end of the uh, session before the winter break. Mm. It's there's often a big scandale going on. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, um, I mean, this year, well, I mean, there's a lot of people running around, you know, cackling on about things that were on the killing season last night. And I suspect the Woolworths table will be a bit awkward, given that, you know, the CEO's just quit. And yeah. And the... Also, there's a story this afternoon about Bill Shorten's time as head of the AWU and, um, and the union getting... A substantial payment from a major building company. Right. So yes, there's lots going on. But back to the killing season. So what you said you found it pretty electrifying. What in it uh, struck you? Well, I think, I think, look, a couple of things, a couple of people's participation sort of electrified me. I was really fascinated by Ken Henry's contribution. Oh, he's so interesting. Isn't yeah, he? and um, I've just never heard him speak like that before. Um, there's this moment where he says, oh, yes, you know, but he's very complimentary of elements of the Rudd era. And then he sort of pauses and says, yes, although, I mean, he was sort of, I mean, I didn't really notice things kind of degenerating, but after a while, yes, I suppose it did turn into a bit of a, well, you know, that thing, I won't say it, but that thing that, you know, where things sort of slow down and sort of fall apart. And Sarah Ferguson goes, well, like a train crash, <laughs> a train wreck, and he says, "Oh well, now you said it." <laughs> it was kind of hilarious. Isn't uh, watching the first episode of that last week? Uh, I mean, a very good friend of mine shot at Louis Eraglou, who's one of the God. legendary ABC. Well, that man will walk away with every prize um, available this year, I imagine. He is the most. If you if people listening, if you do get around watching it, just pay attention to how well shot it is, and there's particular things that are hallmarks of Louis's work like in episode one there's a sequence where they're illustrating the global financial crisis and he's shot a sequence in a subway and there's a guy playing an instrument in the subway and they keep cutting back to him in the edit it's a classic Louis thing he always he's really I know this sounds a bit cliche but he's really drawn to humanity and interesting humanity and gets wonderful shots like that he's also the sort of guy who pays very close attention to what you're trying to say yeah. editorially in the story and so he'll come to you and say oh mate listen you know look you might not use it but you know I know you're trying to make this point about Australia getting closer to the US so there was an Australian flag and an American flag and so I've done a pull focus from the Australian to the American and then I did it back the other way in case you want to say America first in the sentence like that level of editorial contribution. Foresight, so, yeah. yeah. so basically then the script almost write, writes itself. But also the edit on that show is just... It's spectacular, isn't it? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Like, really blew my mind. Um, just the technical quality of that. Really, really good. And also it's It sort of actually makes that whole era look so much more kind of menacing, interesting mm. and dramatic. Like, it's like watching House of Cards. Like, God, I wonder what happens next. <laughs> well, it's and all, then you're kind of like... Yes. It's all the time, but it's on fast forward because you've condensed all the best yeah. bits into just three hours. So then all of a sudden it's it's much more interesting than it actually was living it. Although, of course, there were some pretty darn interesting moments, you know, when you're actually living it. If you had been, say, Bill Shorten's advisor or... Um, 
Penny Wong's advice, some of the people who didn't participate yeah. in it, would you have advised them to to do that show or not? Um, no, I think that Shorten's probably right not to do it. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's one of these things where once somebody's in, or like once your enemy's in, you're in. Mm. I can see why for Shorten it was a bit of a... It was a bit of a not an option because he was kind of everybody's enemy at one point or another, wasn't he? Like, I mean, he was yeah. involved in uh, the first one and then the second one. So I can see how that would be extremely tricky to narrate from his perspective. And I can see why, you know, I mean, he always talks about that whole period in quite broad terms. I know because I've tried to kind of question him about it too. Um, Penny Wong, though, I don't know. I think she came out of it looking pretty good, even though she wasn't there. There was that line, there was a line from... Lachlan Harris, who was um, Rudd's media advisor, said, because they were going into that, well, whose idea was it to back away from the emissions trading scheme? And there's this moment where Harris just says, well, look, you know, people tell you different things about that, but the truth is that everybody's fingerprints are on that decision. Everybody around, Kevin, Kevin himself, Julia, whatever, um, everybody's fingerprints were on that decision except for Penny Wong's. Wow. Which was quite a powerful kind of... I think, because I remember at the time, though, when she switched from Gillard back to Rudd, mm. that she was very upset about having to do that. I, d I wonder if that is the moment she doesn't really want to have to talk about. Well, I think that that was a pretty tricky moment for her, yeah. Um, because, you know, I think she was close friends with um, Julia. And you can, there is a case, though, that you can easily make around that, which is that she was not going to win the election. Sure, but I mean, hard when you've um, been very close to somebody and supported them. Like, I mean, this is where politics gets tricky. Like, there's, it's it's not necessarily um, all cut and dried. And one of the interesting things that came out of the um, show last night was there was quite a, you know, quite a detailed look at where all this polling came from that people were sort of talking about and flashing around and... You know, news of polling spreads faster in Parliament House than any other news apart from who's bonking whom. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's like Chinese whispers. You know, one person who actually has seen polling says something to one another person and that person passes it along. And then by the time it gets to, you know, um, the last person, it's like, well, we've polled and Australia's going to be blown up. That's what's happening, you know. It gets completely bent out of shape. Right. Um, thought what the show did a good job of was sort of demonstrating what a wildfire that sort of material right. um, tends to light under situations. Right. I mean, the, the other interesting thing about this program last night, I mean, I won't, it's not a spoiler alert because you know how it ends, right? <laughs> Is that um, there's quite a lot of consideration of how these conversations actually take place. There's quite a sort of detailed account from Tony Burke about going around to Julia Gillard's office. He took a bottle of wine. This is, you know, well before the coup um, against Rudd. And he, he went and had a conversation with her, he says, about all sorts of things. And then at the end of the bottle of wine and the, you know, conversation, he says, he looked at her and said, well, we haven't mentioned the elephant in the room and if at any point you want to talk about that, then please do. And she's sort of just nodded sagely because there's sort of this incredible 
paranoia on the part of both of them that if you speak the words aloud, then they then they exist, and then you it becomes a meeting, and then it was she of, was she asked about that conversation? And yeah, did she, and she yeah. knew what because the, and she knew what elephant he was referring to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't know. Like, that wasn't an actual like she wasn't yeah. thinking. Oh, he's refer is he referring to Tasmanian forest? What the hell is this guy talking about? Or the unresolved sexual tension between us. <laughs> to a colleague, you know, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room, and they said, oh my god, thank god you finished it, I've always loved you, and you say, well actually, no, I was about you. the leader. <laughs> um, Note, uh, legal disclaimer, no one is suggesting, or would anyone, that those two people have ever had a thing going on, just before anyone runs yeah, away with these crazy ideas. Yeah, exactly. But, Do you know what I wish we did have more of in Australia? is politicians, even though I asked you strategically from their perspective, should they talk? In America, when I lived there, and, you know, you've spent time in the UK, people frequently write their memoirs, and yeah. not just the frontline people, staffers, advisors, yeah. everybody. Basically, if you are Barack Obama, you should assume that not a single conversation you yeah. ever have, that the person isn't leaving and writing it in their diary to print at a later date. Um, so you get the most full and amazing accounts of what goes on inside administration. And they go and tell it to Bob Woodward again anyway. That's right, yeah. So it's really, I think that's incredibly valuable in terms of showing what goes on so that we actually understand. And so say, for example, at the moment with Operation Sovereign Borders and even just the whole um, immigration policy post-2001, I mean, we know some of what has occurred, but I just was thinking this week, I wonder if we'll ever get a really full accounting of what occurred in Operation Sovereign Borders. If we lived in the United States, I know that we would at some point. Sorry, yeah. yeah, in five years or What's ten years. What's the difference, do you think? I, I honestly think that Americans have a much greater sense of the public's right to know because it's so enshrined in their whole idea about rights. Yeah. And so I think, like I found when I was writing my book about Guantanamo Bay... If you look at the index of that and the um, chapter notes, most of the information comes from American Americans, sources. Yeah. And even people who... What do you mean? You found it easier to get into Guantanamo than into an Australian yeah. detention centre, right? Yeah. Um, people who even probably didn't have that much interest in some of the information coming out would say things to me like, oh, you know the Pentagon, there is a redacted version of that that's somewhere. And I'd say, well, where? And they'd say, oh, it is on the website. It'll be hard to find, but, you know. And they'd give you a steer through 15 layers of stuff till you yeah, could find right. it. But they would actually direct you to how to find information. Whereas when I went to interview, say, for example, um, public servants in a particular department, on background, off the record, they read from a minister's press release. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's a totally different culture around, you know, all of that sort of stuff in the United States. So, If you work in a government department in the States, do they, I mean, do they face the same sorts of controls as public servants do here? Because, I mean, seriously, sometimes you ring up a public service, you, if you try and cold call one in Australia, they will blow oh, yeah. a rape whistle down the, yeah, totally. down the phone at you. I know. Or if you leave a message, you'll get a call back from, hi, it's Brittany from Public Affairs, and you tried to ring so-and-so. And, and then you feel vaguely guilty for having rung them. You're like, well, yes, but my finger's yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I to call you, Brittany, obviously. <laughs> Corporations here, though, are also a bit like that. I tried to ring someone in Hancock Prospecting the other day, and I just could not get through the receptionist. <laughs> I ended up emailing the um, person directly, but, yeah, I couldn't get past the original just 
you know, and I asked for the person by name. I didn't say, oh, can I have, you know, Gina Reinhardt's PA, please? Like, I actually knew a name to ask for. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really tricky. But the Americans, yeah, they're much more open just generally. How, how do you think politicians... Like, so I often think about that with Hillary Clinton, you know, recently with that whole email debacle and, you know... I've been through 30,000 of my emails and removed the personal ones. Like, I mean, okay, it's great to have good staff, obviously. But, I mean, like, are they just more... Are American politicians just more <clears throat> prepared for every aspect of their lives to be kind of regulated and, and, and scrutinised? I mean, remember in 2008 when John McCain... After the Lancet published that incredibly kind story where they um, said that there was about one in four chance that he'd die in office, remember that? Was yeah. That? Thank you, Lancet. <laughs> not in, no, not in my year, my birthday party, you bastard. Um, so then there was this whole, well, the Lancet thinks he's going to die in office. Don't vote for him. And so he then um, took all of his medical records and made them available for a period of two days or something for a controlled team of journalists to climb all over every wow. single page of military and post-military medical records. So like, go through there and check out his ingrowing toenail or whatever. Incredible. Um, I would assume that if you were a very famous American like Hillary Clinton, that you would have no privacy. I would assume that you could not, even this conversation where we're recording this, that... <laughs> Bad example, Ginger. <laughs> so even, let's say, I wasn't recording this conversation, mm -hmm. you should probably I still... I hair, otherwise I'd, I'd just talk even more. I just think you couldn't have even just your friend around to do your hair together and not assume that it maybe is somehow being recorded or that I couldn't send you an email going, oh, did you couple look at what, mm. you know, so-and-so was wearing tonight? Like, without, a, without thinking, how will I feel reading that on the front page of the paper? Do you think that they use those new kind of Malcolm Turnbull-style, you know, um, instant messaging services that then explode and disappear into space? They probably do, but I still think they would, In the if you were Hillary Clinton, you'd still in the back of your mind think, yeah. I might be reading this one day publicly. I signed up for that one the other day. Yeah, I and got it. When I signed up, the first person to said hello was Malcolm. So, <laughs> Malcolm made me sign just, up. <laughs> I think he's just on it all the time. He is. Malcolm pressured me so much to sign up that he said... Now I feel really bad because I don't have anything interesting to say and it's like and, and my expectations were sky high, like, wow, Malcolm's really putting the pressure on, he must have something really interesting to tell me. No. Oh no, when I got there and I said he said hello and I said, Well, hello, I feel now I should confess to something secret and he said, Who do tell? What have you done? And I said, Oh, I don't think of anything else to say, so I said, Oh, you know, just regular stuff. I killed a guy in a cornfield that one time. <laughs> No reply. No reply. <laughs> See, he's being judicious there because he's thinking, ooh, if that gets public, I don't want to make a joke like she here helped hide the body or something. <laughs> right, in case you're wondering, yes, we are still doing our makeup. Um, how many minutes in? Let me have a look. Uh, 26 minutes in. Oh. Crap's still on her hair, in fact. She hasn't. Oh, I'm always anywhere still on her hair. <laughs> I feel I'm giving away my beauty secrets. <laughs> Um, well, we haven't discussed stroke cream for, well, minutes. Well, I can't really even tell what that did, but... You do look quite dewy. <laughs> Intensely dewy or subtly dewy? Uh, you know, non-practicing dewy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the other thing that I've been watching um, that I'm sort of a little addicted to at the moment, there's only two things I'm watching. One's The Americans. The other one is Wentworth, which is the Prisoner Ooh. remake. It's very, very good. Have you watched any of it? Mm. She's got enough to hear again. actually. Um, but uh, I've always meant to. Right. And how are you going on H's for Hawk? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Finished yet or still going? Uh, No, I haven't finished yet. Um... Didn't Rice started reading, which is sort of an unusual book for me, Henry Parks, an Australian Colossus. (laughs) Wow. It's really, really interesting. I just got it off um, Amazon on my Kindle. It's really, really interesting. He was incredible. He was like the Malcolm Turnbull of the day, like very mercantile and accomplished in business but then kept loot well Malcolm hasn't lost any money but lost his fortune and was a journo before he was a politician and yeah really amazing amazingly interesting life and so I'm just reading all about how he got into politics and you know that sort of early days of pre-federation stuff it's really really good what a terrific period I don't know much about the... I mean, I know just the school school kid version. Yeah, I don't know much about it either, but I really enjoyed um, The Secret River by Kate Grindle. Mm. Not the TV thing that came out this week, which I haven't had a chance to watch, but the book, just because I felt like it brought to life sort of that historical period. Like, mm. I love na- fictional narrative yeah. crafted around history. Did you ever read that book that um, won the Stella Prize last year called... I did, on your recommendation. Yeah. Women of Eureka? Is that one of the books that you, like, I recommended and you were like... No, I, that was one that I just downloaded and read straight away because I thought I really liked the idea of it, which was that we've heard so much about the Eureka Stockade and no one's ever said, well, what were the women doing? Yeah, because it's a very blokey sort of tale and this um, writer, Claire Wright, found, just basically repainted the story but painted it all the ladies. It was fascinating. Such a good yarn. Hey, um, speaking of Kate Grenville, did you read One Life? Mm, Not yet, I'm about to. Oh, I thought you had to do... Oh, it's coming up, isn't it, the thing Mm. you're doing with her? The Writers' Festival, Melbourne Writers' Festival. Okay, we'll report back on that. All right, well, I think we might... I don't know if this is ever going to see the light of day. No, who knows? It's it's just us. I think we'll have to take a picture of the finished product, given that we've spent... Yeah. You normally have someone else to do your hair, your makeup, right? Mm. It's just... It's time-consuming, isn't it? It's really time-consuming. What what, it's a terrible, like, it's a real treat, isn't it, to have someone else to do it? Well, Although I, once I, it happens every day, then you're like, oh, damn it, I'm going to sit here while someone's incredibly nice to me for an hour and an hour or whatever. And also you can't, once you've had pet professionals doing it, you just despair doing it yourself because you can never do it as nicely. Yeah. I always used to feel angry when I would read, and still do, um, the discrepancies between the commercial TV salaries for men versus women because... Because it came out at a certain point, David Kosh was paid, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars mm. more than Mel Doyle. And I think, but she works an hour longer every day mm. just for the makeup. Like, she has to get in there an hour before him every single day. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I thought that was a little unfair. Well, I always thought that that was a, an interesting part of Julia Gillard's prime ministership too, that people didn't really think about. And that is that in order to go and, you know, address her people or do a press conference or have a meeting or whatever... You know, Julia Gillard would have to sort of get up and have someone colour in her face for an hour or something, you know? It's, 
And what's, now, what's your prime minister doing that every day? What, like, how much is that time worth? But imagine um, if you complained about that, how much that would just be held Which against you. Which is not why she never did that. <laughs> and that is why this podcast may never see the light of day because <laughs> we've just been bitching you and moaning about having to get dressed for a ball. Yes. Whiny, privileged white women. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>